Section 9 of A Minor War History. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. A Minor War History by Martin Alonso Hines. Letter number 27. Hilltop, St. Charles Country, Maryland, October 28, 1861. You will take note that we have changed our location at last. We are now 40 or 50 miles below Washington, on the Potomac River, below Bud's Point. The other side of the river is lined with rebel batteries for a distance of 10 miles, up and down, and we are here with 10 or 12,000 men to watch them. We have cavalry and artillery with us. With our regiment is Doubleday's battery of 12 and 32 pounders. Most of the Fort Sumter men are in this battery. We left Bladensburg Thursday and got here last night, a march of four days. As we were in heavy marching order, all our earthly possessions strapped or hung to us in some way, you can be sure it was a pretty tired crowd that landed in here. Tuesday morning, I tried to write last night, but it was so cold I had to give up. We are camped down in a deep hollow, where the sun doesn't get in till pretty late. Every morning the ground is white with frost. It takes all our dry goods to keep us anywhere near comfortable, day or night. Our grub is neither rich nor varied, but it appears to agree with me. With what I have been able to pick up on the side, a man who is enterprising can occasionally get hold of a piece of fresh meat. Until last night, since leaving Bladensburg, every man has been his own cook. Our tin plates served very well as stew, or fry pans and coffee drank out of the tin dipper in which it was boiled on the coals of the campfire, has a flavor all its own. But last night, the company cooks got into action again and served out boiled corned beef, hard bread, and coffee, as it never rains but it pours. Our sutler also got along and opened up shop. Guard duty in this place is not what it was at Bladensburg. Our company goes on picket today down by the mouth of the creek we are camped on, Nanjamoy, to watch the rebels over across the river. Mail will leave here three times a week. Yesterday, the rebel batteries were busy throwing shells over to this side of the river, but our regiment was far out of range of fire. Before we came down here, the rebels used to come over and visit and forage and gather recruits and scout around with impunity. The infantry of this division consists of our own brigade, the 1st and 11th Massachusetts, 26th Pennsylvania, and the 2nd, and General Sickles, Excelsior Brigade, of five New York regiments. The regiments are strung along for a distance of probably 7 or 8 miles, we being the farthest south. Letter number 28. Camp 2nd New Hampshire Regiment, near Bud's Ferry, Maryland, November 10th, 1861. When I wrote you last, we were camped in a hollow by Nanjomoy Creek. Well, we got driven out. It was so infernally uncomfortable that Cole Marston moved the camp up onto the hill. It is not probably that we shall stay in this camp a very great while, but when or where we will move is a riddle. For all that, we are doing a good deal of fixing up that belongs to a permanent camp, have built log huts for the company cooks, which will probably be labor thrown away. But we are having a good time. The woods are full of small game. 
Although we do practically no hunting, but the darkies bring in coons, possums, gray squirrels, rabbits, and chickens, all cooked and well cooked. We have not seen any soft bread since we left Washington. Our hard bread certainly does not belie its name. But given a good soaking in coffee, and well lubricated with butter, I managed to dispose of my share. Our mail is regular in nothing but its irregularity. A three days mail for this regiment got as far as the Massachusetts first, and then, in some fool freak, was shipped back to Washington. Everybody is swearing, except possibly the captain. Letter number 29. Camp Baker, near Bud's Ferry, Maryland, November 16, 1861. Since my last letter, we have moved up several miles and are now encamped with the rest of our brigade, near General Hooker's headquarters. Our location here is a most attractive one, the camp being in the edge of woods, thick enough to afford a perfect windbreak. This ensures us against such a calamity as we were up against at windswept hilltop, when several tents were overturned. Yesterday I had a reserved seat at a first-class show. I heard the rebel batteries on the other side of the Potomac banging away at something, so I went down to the river, not a very great distance, to find out what the trouble was. It was a saucy little schooner skimming down the river, and the rebels trying to hit her. They fired about 60 shots and never made a score. But it was an inspiring sight all the same, the big guns flashing from battery after battery as the vessel came in range, and puffs of smoke in the air or a big splash on the water marking the grand finish. It looks very much as though we were going into winter quarters here. Logs of suitable size and length are being hauled in, to be used as an underpinning for our canvas houses, and the boys, in squads of five or six, are already at work on their quarters. My crew is already made up, a picked squad of congenial souls, and we will get at our building operations next week. We had a thunder shower night before last, and it was clearly of very cold. But there is an abundance of fuel, and half a dozen campfires a-going in each company street. Letter number 30. Camp 2nd New Hampshire Regiment, Chickamauxin, Maryland, November 27, 1861. For amateurs, the Association of House Builders I joined has done a good job. It is on the same general plan as most of the others. First, you start in to build a log cabin. When the walls are four or five feet high, you stop, fasten your tent on top, and there you are. It is astonishing. The room you gain over a plain tent. On the right-hand corner front in the street is a fireplace, a big one, built with its chimney, of small logs laid cubhouse fashion and thickly plastered with Maryland mud. The bottom is sunk a foot or more, and around the front is one log pin or barrier, which serves a double purpose. It is just right for a seat before the fire, and it keeps our thick carpet of straw out of mischief. When we are all fixed up, we'll have bunks and a table and shelves and pigs and a gun rack and everything required in a well-regulated family. I am writing by the light of a candle. Roberts. Orsino, one of the tent's crew, is warming himself at the fire and going over all the songs he has in stock, and the rest of the gang seem to have no higher ambition, just as present, than to break up both me and him. 
Sunday, our company went up to the landing to help unload two or three small streamers that bring our supplies down from Washington. The landing is at Trump Point, over three miles from here, but as near as boats can get to us, on account of the rebel batteries. As we did not start to return until after dark, we had a sweet time of it. The roads here are now nothing but a ditch through woods and fields, filled with mud of terrible adhesive qualities and of fabulous depth. I thought, for the life of me, I should never get home. If I tried to follow the road, I wallowed up to my knees in mud. If I switched off to one side or the other, I had, in addition to the mud, a button match with every tree in the country. It was pitch dark when I landed in camp, just ahead of a smart shower. Tomorrow is Thanksgiving Day in New Hampshire, and we New Hampshire boys out here on the Potomac will observe it in a befitting manner. In our tent, we have a big fat goose up on the shelf with a rabbit or chicken pie or two and a few other fixings. Be that if you can. End of section 9. Recorded by Isam El Arabi.